Good afternoon. Welcome to Tom's World Language Cafe, coming to you live from Fishers, Indiana. It is Friday, January 21st, 3.50 in the afternoon, and we have a very special guest for you uh, coming up here very shortly. I would like to thank the listeners for being here to listen and to the Apple Corporation for their help with our program and invite you to our next show, which is featuring uh, uh, Dr. Juan Pablo Rodriguez and Dr. Quintanilla, Alex Quintanilla from Butler University. And they're going to talk about a couple of new books that they've just written. And that's coming up here in a couple of weeks. So just a heads up on that. And uh, down the road, we have a lot of people lined up and we're trying to uh, get some variety. And we're excited today because we have a French teacher. And, uh, and I'm very excited because my alma mater, Indiana University, won a big basketball game yesterday, last night, with Purdue, right? So for all you IU fans out there, we're still celebrating, right? And uh, so um, we'd like to start and introduce our guest. And our guest is Gary Spurgeon from Cathedral High School. Uh, and Gary is a French teacher. For all you French teachers out there, we're really excited today. And we have one of the top French teachers in the state of Indiana. So we're very honored to have him as our guest. Uh, good afternoon, Gary. How are you? Good afternoon, Tom. I am doing quite well on a Friday afternoon. <laughs> are you? So t- are you t- yeah, are you tired? Just a little bit. Um, you know, typical day, so... Not real tired, but anxious and ready to start the weekend. Well, yeah, absolutely. And I know it's me. I recall my days in high school and I had six classes a day. And Friday would hit and it was like, God help me, right? Right. No, I get that. (laughs) I made it. I made it through another week. And the longer I taught, the the more difficult it became, you know, with energy factors and you know, just physically doing it, right? I mean, it's it's not it's a job not for the faint of heart, right? It's I would agree wholeheartedly. Um, <laughs> I'm not a spring chicken anymore myself, and in fact, one of my colleagues this morning we were talking, and she said, "Well, we're just old," and I said, "Well, I don't feel old. I mean, I, my age might say that, but I don't feel old." Right. That's that's kind of how I feel. You know, I keep saying, well, I don't feel old, you know, my brain's still good and, you know, things, but you get old, right? When we just got to roll on, roll with the punches, right? Um, so tell the, the listeners a little bit about your current uh, teaching position, what you do at Cathedral High School, which I will tell the listeners is one of the top schools uh, in the state of Indiana, one of the top ac- academic schools in the state. And... Uh, I know Gary's very proud of that language department, the World Language Department, and rightfully so, has some great teachers there. Gary, can you tell us about the teaching load and what you do at Cathedral and a little bit about the World Language Department there? Okay. Well, currently I teach levels one, two, three, and four French. I have five total classes, but a little different this year because for my first and second year classes, because we do track, um, I have an academic level and an honors level, but they're mixed together. And that's for my second year. So our third year class is an honors level, but it's also dual credit. Our fourth year 
French class is also an honors level class and also dual credit. So I'm kind of all over the board being dual credit, but also teaching the um, curriculum that cathedral offers, but also teaching the curriculum that the college offers. So, so is that dual credit for, for various colleges then? It's through Ivy Tech. Uh-huh. So it's on the um, register. So, you know, they get it. If they happen to go to IU, it would transfer. So it's on the transfer library. Okay. So our third and fourth year levels are our dual credit levels. Uh-huh. Now, how many language teachers are at World Language Teachers or at Cathedral? We are currently at 11. Wow. That's really have, big, right? It's grown quite a right. bit. We have Spanish, French, German. Latin and ASL. So that's quite a bit. Wow. Right. And for the size of school we are, because we're about 1100, maybe 1120. So to have that many languages offered for that many students, I mean, we're pretty um, blessed in that, that we're able to offer our students, you know, a variety of languages. Yeah, opportunities. Yeah, uh, could you tell the uh, listeners a little bit about how pretty your campus is? I know it's very beautiful out there. Well, I'm very proud of. I've been here for a while. We call it up on the hill because Cathedral does sit up on a hill off of 56th Street here in Indianapolis, and it is somewhat of a small college campus, like because we have four different buildings. The students have to go outside to go from class to class, depending on what class it is. And we just have a lot of beautiful trees. The landscaping is wonderful. So if anybody just to drive up the hill, I always say it's a magical place when you can drive up the hill. Yeah, it's a just a beautiful, beautiful campus and a great high school. One of the best ones probably in the Midwest or the country. I mean, it has a great reputation. My uh, my brother went there years ago mm-hmm. and uh, graduated from there and, uh, and uh, loved English. And he learned English from a teacher called uh, Brother Raymond, Brother Raymond, and uh, one of the great English teachers of all time, I think. And he got down to Bloomington at IU and I said, well, what do you think? Or do you, he was on the, he was the editor of the Daily Student. The, the paper that you and he said uh, I said do you get do they edit your thing, things a lot for errors or anything he says I don't make any errors he said <laughs> I had brother Raymond for English right <laughs> and right. Uh, he went on from IU and he, he uh, spent his whole career with the Wall Street Journal and uh-huh. uh, did a did a lot of books for the Wall Street Journal he's quite a quite a writer in his day but he he graduated from Cathedral and uh, but I know just just a great great school and. Uh, and I've been fortunate to know you and a lot of the other teachers there in the World Language Department, and I know they're all just incredibly dedicated. Now, you used, are you still the chair you are or not? No, we revamped that mm-hmm. about three, four years ago, uh-huh. that the school, the administration did away with department chairs and went the way of kind of like a college that we have divisions. Mm-hmm. We have humanities and world languages in the humanities department. And we also have our STEM math science. Mm-hmm. Does that give so, you some advantages you think then? I mean, does it make it a little better communicating communicatively or, 
or not? Yes and no. I would say the one thing that we do miss, especially having departments, is that there was some autonomy there, that we could make decisions and we had a little more say-so in our own policy rather than having to follow the policy of, let's say, the humanities. We still have autonomy, maybe just not as much as we used to. Okay. Uh, now, is language required at Cathedral? We require two years of language for every student. That is a graduation requirement. So are there students that have some difficulty? Do you have special arrangements for any? Yes, that's why we track. Um, we believe that every student can learn. And I've been to too many places and have heard too many people say, well, if a student has a difficulty, they're not going to be able to do foreign language or world language. Mm -hmm. And that's why we have those three different levels. We have what we call college prep, because every student that comes to Cathedral, we, our expectation is that they're going to go to a college. Uh-huh whether it be a four-year college, a two-year college, but they will get into a college. And then our academic, which is the majority of our students, and then we have those students, high-level students, who are placed in the honors courses. Okay. So you can handle about any type of student then, right? Yeah. Academically brilliant, uh, this maybe a little bit slower kids, and some that are, you know, a little bit slower. But I know most Probably most of the people you take probably in the school are fairly gifted, right? I'm guessing. Right. Yeah. Um, I think we're seeing a huge shift with diversity. And when we talk about diversity, we're talking a lot of different things, especially learning styles. And those students who have um, issues mm -hmm. in learning the traditional way. But I can say one of my most favorite classes ever to teach is that college prep class, which is our lower class, uh -huh. um, just to see them blossom, to bloom. And especially, they're introduced to things that they've not seen before or have heard of before. And they do take off. And people were kind of saying, well, are you going to be able to do that in your department to teach those lower kids? And we said, most definitely. We've got different techniques, different styles that we'll use. And then, you know, our crowning glory is when those kids go off, they tr travel abroad, and they come back and said, you know, in my entire high school career, I never thought that I would be able to go overseas. And they come back 5, 10, 15, even 20 years later, you know, to tell us those stories. That's, that's fascinating, amazing. And that's all because of you and your department, all the good, great people there. Yeah, the great teachers you guys have been and still are and uh, just the job that you guys do and that's unbelievable but but it, but very true right and right. i know uh, you put out some great great students and uh, uh you need to be commended for that by, by all means and uh now let's talk a little bit about your family now and uh how how does that go now how many kids do you have now well, my wife and I, we were blessed to only have one child. Okay. So we have an only child. That's that's he, how my uh, daughter is. Yeah, okay. Exactly. He went through Cathedral High School. He graduated from Cathedral. In fact, I taught him French. And one of my short stories is he was a freshman, and it was the very first week of school, and we give detentions. He had said something inappropriate in my class, 
I gave him a detention. So his first detention came from his own father. And the other students in the class said, oh, my gosh, if he gives his own son a detention, we better shape up here. Oh, for goodness sake. So he graduated. He went on to DePaul and just graduated this past year with uh, two majors, communication and history. And he is working full time. So okay. um, great kid, you know, very proud of him. Yeah, DePaul um, is a great school. That's a great yes. school. He was an athlete at Cathedral, but also played football at DePaul. Uh-huh, okay. And my wife, who's beautiful, I mean, she's my travel companion, and uh-huh. we just have a great family, and she works in finance. Okay. And she so, is uh-huh. so, she's a compliance officer. Okay. She's what now? I, a I, compliance officer. Compliance officer, okay. Okay. Uh, now... So you have been uh, at Cathedral a while, right? Quite a few years. <laughs> yes. I've been teaching. <laughs> you don't have to say it. Well, you can tell me oh, if you want to. I've been teaching for 41 years. Okay. Okay, this is my 41st, and I've been at Cathedral for 40. Wow. And so when the kids find that out, and I said, well, in the um, scheme of things, I'm number three on the totem pole, meaning... <laughs> There's only two other teachers who've been here longer than I have, and they've only been here longer than me for a year. So you deserve uh, the Medal of Honor. <laughs> so. well, I, I always say, I don't think I'm going to get a Medal of Honor. Yes. But I said on my epitaph when I die, hopefully it'll say he taught fearlessly for how many years it is. <laughs> okay. So now the... Uh, um, over the years, obviously, you've seen a lot of change in methodologies, right? Teaching. Correct. And uh, do you, have you noticed that things tend to come back? I mean, I in a different yeah, way, right. they all, they all come back in the long run. So. Yeah. Well, I've been around long enough and I always joke, the pendulums keep swinging back and forth. Yes. I've yeah. seen a lot of different methods, a lot of different teaching styles. And I always laugh thinking, okay, we used to do this maybe 10, 15 years ago under a different name. And I always say I'm not smart enough because I think people take those older methods, tweak them, put them in a pretty, or a prettier package, put yeah. another bow on top of it, well, and, and now we've got the new and, whatever. And we've seen that happen with the, the CI, right, the comprehensive right. input, which used to be called immersion, right, total immersion. Yes. And... Mm-hmm. Uh, then now we have comprehensible input. So, right. I mean, it, it, it's all comes back around, right? In, in a different format, but it's the same. In a well, the same. I would yeah, the same con- type of uh, strategy. Um, the um, so let's go back to where you studied college. I had French. Where did you study French at? I went to my undergrad was at University of Indianapolis. <laughs> So was that with the, the Stoneburners? Yeah, Michelle Stoneburner was yeah. my professor, yeah. who was excellent. But it kind of tells you how old I am, because when I started, it was Indiana Central College. Well, and this this is crazy. I have to say this, because you probably may not have known this. Maybe you did. Uh, I spent a long time down there teaching part-time in the evening. Uh, with uh, Michelle was down there, and... Um, uh, Marga Meyer. Remember Marga? Yes, Marga. She taught German. She was the chair of the department at the time when I was there. Uh-huh. And uh, 
I don't know. I bet I was there seven or eight years in the, in the evening. And I do uh, one class in the evening. And uh, sometimes I even do two. And uh-huh. uh, after teaching all that, was must have been probably in my last stages of insanity, I guess. <laughs> but anyway, so she, she uh, I'm trying to remember, the Spanish professor, he was, uh, I can't remember his last name. I can't remember his Mia first Mai, name. Mia Mai, Mia Mai, Mia Mai. Molten. Yeah. Was it Molten? Yeah, Molten. No, this was Mia Mai. He was Japanese. Okay. No, I remember him. I yeah. think he was there my last year. Yeah. But he left, and then uh, Dan Briere came in. And, right. And uh, Dan and I did a summer program down there uh, with uh, uh, Indiana Central, it was called at the time, uh, uh, for uh, grade school kids. And, okay. uh, and then uh, just uh, immersion classes for a week or two. Then we followed that up with, uh, we did um, camp. We had a summer camp for Spanish students. It was kind of a short, short thing, uh, summer camp type thing. And then, of course, Dan got involved in our, uh, our academic competition thing, you know, the state contest, the Spanish contest, right. and helped us immensely over the years. And we used to meet at U of I down there, we'd meet on when we had our competitions, and he was very kind about that. Just incredible, just a great school, right? It really was a great, yes. great school. Very a small school, but just incredibly well done, right? Just right. a great, great education and uh, great teachers, and yeah. So, did did you do graduate work then after that? And, and I from, went. I did my graduate work at Butler. Mm-hmm. So my master's is from Butler, and I did a stage, as we would call it, in France. So all my graduate French work is out of France, mm-hmm. is from France. Did, was that Paris? No, we were in Angers. In Angers, yeah. Uh, and then we went over to Bretagne to Quimper. Okay. So I did that, and then I picked up some extra courses throughout, so... It's kind of like you have that master's in education, but I also have my 18 hours of French in. So you had so, did, did a lot of stuff to get, get a lot of extra. Right. Yes, yes. Well, so, I counted that the other day. I have my master's plus, I think it's 30. Master's plus so, 30. <clears throat> right. That's a lot. You know, you just, you've more than paid your dues. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, somebody said, are, are you finished taking classes? And I said, well... Our motto is lifelong learning. Yes. And I said, I have to be a model for my students. And I am a lifelong learner. You and are. If I have yes, you left, are. I'd like and and you, know, know, you, you, you represent, too, um, a rare group of teachers, right, who have spent many, many years teaching, many, many years with the students. You love the kids. You're a great educator. And... It's a shame. I don't know how we could ever do it, but there needs to be more um, um, use made of the people who spend their lives teaching, right? And right. Uh, and I know I, I've got friends now who've retired, and, and it's a shame they're not able to contribute some way, right? With, with teaching and teaching techniques and strategies and how do you handle students. You know, and you, I, I would assume probably you're going to agree with me on this. I'm not, I'm not sure, but I always think that kids are still kids, right? 
I mean, I think back to the first day that I taught, which was at Cecina High School years ago. And uh, I think back in uh, those students today, kids are still kids, right? They don't change. They're adolescents. And uh, the needs are very similar, right? I mean, the, 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 the things change around us, but the kids are still the kids, right? I would agree with you 120%. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, we hear all the time students learn differently, so we yes. need to do things differently. And I get that. They're wired differently just because of technology and what they have grown up with. But kids are still kids. They still need structure. They still need yeah. those basic needs. What we need probably, this is a crazy idea, but not so crazy, it would be neat if we could put a program in where students kind of, uh, say, language majors, right, that want to be teachers, would shadow people like you. But I'm, I'm not necessarily talking about a student-teacher type situation. I'm just talking about coming in for three or four days and, you know, talking to you about how did you do all this all these years, right? Because obviously right. you really understand the kids and the system to be able to have survived all these years. And so it would be nice, wouldn't it, if we could, you know, think of a way where people would go visit teachers and just not and watch them teach a couple of days, but then not to have the, their main student teaching there, right? Their, their, their practice teaching, but to have, uh, you know, some contact with people who have survived their, their and been leaders in the profession. That's, that's not a bad idea in probably everything, maybe, who knows, but kind of a spinoff. Now, tell me how you got interested in French. I mean, you love French, and I, you, you're, I, that's why I like being around you. You're always so enthusiastic about French and everything about languages, right? And if the, well, the, the, the listeners don't know this, but I see Gary every year at the Indiana Language Teachers uh, Conference, and he has been the president of IFLTA, and he does so many things I couldn't get over talking about him if I spent an hour in the language for the language profession. But just being around this guy, you don't know him, listeners, but just a dynamic person when he's out there, he's live, and you talk to him, and he's got he's got so much knowledge about teaching. And as we go through the program, especially for any young teachers who are listening or anybody who wants to be a language teacher, I pay attention to what Gary says when we talk about in a little bit about teaching techniques, etc., because he's a master at this. So uh, just a heads up. Now, tell us about French. So how did you get involved in your French? I grew up on a farm south of Newcastle, Indiana. And our high school, there were 70-some in my graduating class. So foreign language and farmland, the farming community, was not a top priority. And I knew that I didn't want to stay on the farm. I love the farm. I've had the best of both worlds. And just to make a quick uh, story shorter, I would go out. I would look at the sky when I was feeding the animals of an evening. Planes would go overhead. I had never traveled anywhere. And I'm thinking, I'm wondering if that's going overseas. Are they going to France? Are they going to Paris? So when it was time to sign up for classes, language classes, and I always tell my students this, 
My guidance counselor said I couldn't take any foreign language because of my English scores, my English grades. I was an average English student, not stellar. And at that time, during my high school career, you had to be like top tier to go into world language. So that was going into freshman year. So I didn't take it because he said I couldn't. So the following year, sign up for sophomore year class. I go back. I said, I want to take French. You know, I don't know a lot of people, but it just sounds like a great topic, great language to learn. And I've heard people speak it. So, yes, I want to take it. Same answer from my guidance counselor. I said, well, no, your English scores still aren't straight A's. So I said, but I really want to take this. How do I do this? And he said, well, there's one way. Have your parents sign a waiver saying that they agree to it and we'll put you in the class. So I go home, talk to mom and dad, and they said, okay, we did not go to college. It's up to you. You're either going to sink or swim. And that's when my whole philosophy was, this is not going to beat me. I'm going to beat it. And I studied, fell in love with it, had a great French teacher, went on to college, had a great French professor with Michelle Stoneburner, and then had great professors in my graduate career. So that's kind of it. You tell me, no, I can't do it. That's one thing I would say, you never tell me that because I will find a way to do it. And that's why I tell the kids when they say, well, I can't learn a language. Oh, no, you can't. It's how you think about it and what you do with it. Make it your own language. It's not that teacher's language. Make it your own. And I have kids who do that. That's my philosophy, and it works. Beautifully said. Beautifully said. Uh, Gary, what about um, your involvement in professional organizations now? I know you do a lot with IFLTA. What other groups are you involved with? Well, I started off with Indiana AATF, which is the American Association of Teachers of French in Indiana. And I was the treasurer and the um, newsletter person. Well, they asked me in Ifelton if I would consider running for office. And I said, sure, I can do it. So I worked my way up. You know, you start with second vice president, go to first vice president, go to president, then past president. So I was the president of IFLTA. And then after that, some people said, well, how about getting involved with central states? And I said, sure. So I was on the ballot as a delegate or as a representative for um, central states. And I served on the board of central states for four years. My term was up last year. And it's kind of, it kind of gets in your blood. I always tell people, I'm always out there saying, um, I think you should get involved. Well, I don't have enough experience. No, that's how you get the experience. You put yourself out there. Um, you get involved. You meet all types of different people. And that's my mantra also is you have to do professional development. You have to get involved with your professional organizations. Beautifully said. And one of the other things too, and you you said this as well, and I'll I'll just kind of repeat, but the big thing is when you're around these people, you're around people who are just like you. They're extremely dedicated and uh, they're really the cream of the crop, right? The people that take time above the call of duty, right? Uh, 
and they go beyond the classroom. And I always paid such, and just I was just like you about it uh, with Central States. I, I paid so much attention to the people I was around to, you know. And I was just, it was like an honor to be around them. Because you know, then you, I'm sure you'd say the same thing, right? They're all incredible teachers and and their professions and the AATG, the ATF, ATSP, all those. And they're all, you know, it's, it was just a great, great time. And it does get in your blood. It just, right. you know, it, it, you, it does get in, the, in, in your blood. That's, you said that beautifully. Uh, one, if I could add just one thing yes. about the professional organizations and going to the conferences, I would encourage any world language teacher, no matter how large or small your school is, to put in a recommend or not a recommendation, but a proposal to present at the conference. You learn, I learn more in presenting than I do, you know, because I learn from my colleagues. Yes, yes, very much so. Yeah. And when I present, people will say, oh, you know, that was great. Are you going to present more? And I always consider that to be a great compliment. And I remember talking to some presenters. In fact, Tom, I've been to some of your workshops. And when I was younger and these people would present, I'd say to myself, I want to be like you. I want to present. I want to get to that point. And it was about three or four years ago at Ifleton, I just presented and a young teacher came up to me and said, I want to be like you. Oh, good. I thought, I have arrived. Well, you're very uh, kind. Thank you. And you, you, you belong past that. You belong past that. Uh, beautiful. Uh, now, uh, what about your favorite places to visit? I assume France is your favorite country, right? France is my favorite country. Um, everybody says, oh, do you love Paris? I love Paris, but I will tell you my favorite city city is Lyon mm -hmm. in the southern part of France. We had an exchange program there for about 15 years. Wow. Our students would go there, live with families for three weeks. Their students would come here and live with our kids for three weeks. Unfortunately, COVID has put a damper on that, so we put that on the back burner. Yeah, is 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 are the is the IU honors program canceled again? The IU honors program is still going for the moment. For the moment, they haven't decided though, right? What they're doing yet? Totally. Well, I think there's still a go unless something happens and they, you know, stop it. But I have we've got a couple of kids from Cathedral who are scheduled to go on it. Yeah, I didn't know. I know our, our, our summer program for the Spanish teachers is kind of in limbo now. You know, we just don't know what we're doing yet. And uh, a lot of it is, you know, we're just waiting to see, you know, the next two or three weeks how things, you know, work out. So, um, but yeah, that, the COVID has affected the travel immensely. Um, so what about the importance of world languages in high school? Do you think we... We had approached that in the right way. I even would say the same thing about college. Sometimes I wonder, is, is there a different way to that you guys do that maybe is a different twist? I mean, why, why is it important to study world languages, in your view? I mean, really significant things, I think. Not everyone will agree with this, and I know that, but I feel that world language is a core subject that we are just as important as math, 
English, and science. And I'm not opposed to, I think, every school, if the state would do this, is to have a two-year requirement. Um, to me, world language opens doors. It opens all of us to culture. Yes. When our world, in a world that we live in today that's hurting, in order to understand other people, in order to understand other cultures, you've got to be subjected to that. You've got to be introduced to that. And where's the best place to do it? To me, it would be a world language classroom. I also think world language classrooms provide those students shelter because sometimes kids don't know how to or they don't want to participate in another class, but because world language is such a participatory class, we kind of force them to, but in a safe space that they should feel welcome and that they should be ready to participate and not feel that they can't. I said, you know, the best thing is when you make a mistake, laugh at yourself because I make mistakes all the time and I laugh. Yes. Because if you laugh at yourself, you're not going to do very well, I don't think. Exactly. Well said. Now, what about this, um, your favorite teaching strategies? What are those? Well, for me, I mean, I always call it my tool chest. And I would encourage especially younger teachers, and they hear it all the time, but to take that really seriously. You know, what is your tool chest? What's in there? And to me, it's activities, it's hands-on experiences. You know, I can't take the kids to a French-speaking country, but what can I do to try to get them involved? To me, that's movies, music. I'm big on music because music also offers that tidbit of grammar, but also culture. And you get the kids to sing the songs and they love it. You know, you always have those few that are hesitant, but they said, you know, we're all going to have fun with this. I think bringing in authentic things to show the students. Used to, we called it the realia, you know, Mm -hmm. and I don't know if they use that term anymore. I still do, but to show them authentic products, Mm -hmm. take tours on the web, you know, make up a scavenger hunt. Are you talking about, um, and I'm going to kind of spin off of this. Uh, are you talking then about um, uh, small group activities, situational things? Uh, I'm talking about I mean, group activities, situations. You know, um, like, for example, or, or, or ordering food, uh, you know, problem solution type stuff, right? I'm guessing. Right. Too. right. Yeah, because I know you you do a lot of that uh, those items. I've, I've often wondered, this goes back to high school, maybe you'll remember in college as well, but in college, the textbooks seem to me as we get way away from the reality, you know? It's like, uh, you know, it's got the, the videos are fine, and, and really the ones I notice in textbooks have very little to do with real life in Spanish in the street, right? You know, when the kids are out in the street battling to talk and they're trying to, you know, get everything a little bit in order so they can be understood. And I, I almost think at the college level, they need to pay attention more, right, to the real Spanish of the street and, you know, and bring more of that into the book, you know? Does that right. make sense? No, I would agree 100%. I mean, we, I teach 
a lot of vocabulary. We do a lot of situations where I said, you're not going to find this in any textbook. Yes. Yes. This is what you're going to find if you actually sit down with a teenager from France or a French speaking country. This is what you're going to see. This is what you're going to experience. And to me, it's bringing that real life situation into the classroom. Yes. And when you talked about activities and situations, you know, we do a lot of different things, especially with games, but it's also, they're cultural games. It's not just playing a game. It's also giving them situations where, okay, you're talking to your French friend and here's the situation, air contrast, do things like that. Mm -hmm. And getting to those higher order thinking skills. Yes. Now, that brings us to technology. Uh, right. <laughs> now, technology. Uh, I really have a lot of pet peeves. I mean, there's things that I really love about technology, and there are other things I do not like at all. And uh, you may feel the same way. But uh, what do you like about technology? I think there are a lot of apps out there that are good to use mm-hmm. on the iPad. Right. I think... What I love about technology is I can take the students on a virtual field trip mm-hmm. because of all the websites, right. the authentic websites. Correct. But when we're doing a unit on clothing, it's not like, okay, here are the American clothes. No, we go to the stores in France. And in fact, I have them present a slideshow where all their clothes have come from different French-speaking countries. And they have to say, this is my wardrobe. This is what I bought at whatever store it was and how much it cost. So all of that's in the target language. Food, great, great websites. Right, right. Uh, The supermarkets. Used to, I can remember coming home from France when I was there and having all of these brochures and, you know, the newspaper ads, et cetera. Right. Because we didn't have things like that. Well, now I don't have to do that because of the web. Mm -hmm. Now, so... What don't you like about it? Here's what I find is that the students are so distracted with their phone, with their iPad, because they have the apps and they're not on the apps that I want them to be on. They're playing games or whatever. So I put a little box in my classroom. It's called uh, cell phone jail. <laughs> and I said, your cell phones have to go to jail just for this period okay. after this period's over, they, um, you know, they can get out of jail free, but just remember that. So I have them put their cell phones up. I always have their desks cleared because I don't want to see iPads on the desk until I ask you to. Yeah. So it's that distraction. Do you teach with a book or an iPad? I teach with the iPad. Okay. Now, here, here's the other question for you. I, I've been kind of experimenting with this, you know, and I teach lot with the iPad as well but uh, I always feel like if I don't if I don't they don't have a paper or something in their hand right you know other than the phone or the iPad uh, that I think they pay more attention you know when they have right. it like this or reading and they you know or you're doing conversation cards or you're doing something right where, where they're looking and holding on to something that they pay more attention to that than when they look at the screen, right? right. And as you project it on the screen. Now, right. the screen, I think, like you said, is great for the virtual field trips, et cetera, and all that. But just 
normal things, you know, little conversational this and that. That that I don't know that they do as well, you know? Right. Well, my rule is you do not take notes on your iPad. Right. You notes, anything that we do in class where I want you to write, you're going to write on pit with paper and pencil mm-hmm. because I think it's essential because of those motor skills. Right. Oh, yeah. You know, exactly. Looking at a screen, it is not getting into your brain. Right. You're just, yeah. Right. So it, actually yeah. doing motor skills of writing, it's going to be with you much longer. So is your homework self-graded then, pretty much? Correct. It is. So you don't have to grade that. It's how it is. Well, your place too. I say that. Let me backtrack because the iPad will self-grade it but I don't put that as a grade. That's always practice work mm-hmm. for me. Right. The actual grading, I'm going to have them take the test on paper or the quiz on paper or whatever the assessment right. is. Correct. Paper. I'm a true believer in writing and mm-hmm. creativity. So when we go over vocabulary, when we go over uh, different verb tenses, mm-hmm. you know, verbs, and we're using them orally. But I want you to know how to write them and put them down. Yes, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, the other thing that bothers me about technology is the control that Google has over this. Google has such a huge hand, right? In oh, yes. I, I would mean, agree with you there. Incredible control. And then, then I wonder about the privacy of it all, you know? I mean... You know, we've got this and that on our Google Drives, and we do this and we do that. And and then I wonder about that. I, I, I think, you know, is this the way we should be doing this, right? I don't know. Google has such a far-reaching hand, you know, into everything practically so that we do. Well, I'm that old-fashioned teacher where I like to see them writing because mm-hmm. I can see what they're doing. Yes. And practicing what we do, what I like to do is here's the, what I would like you to write about. And then we read them out loud and I will correct when I need to. But they'll say, well, I can't say this. I said, well, yeah, you can if you want to. Yes. And I said, by the time you get finished with French class, your brain should be tired. OK. And I said, this is like an academic sport. You know, I, mm-hmm. I don't coach, but I'm an academic coach. So just call right. me the French coach. <laughs> That's good. I like that one. That's really good. So what about uh, what about oral tests? How do you do those? We kind of like department. We will have oral tests where we give them the prompt. Mm-hmm. And what we started doing was with their iPad. Mm-hmm. Here's the prompt. Here's what we want you to talk about. And we'll talk about it with you. Put pictures to kind of mm-hmm. simply stimulate your brain as to what we're going to be talking about. So you don't forget and hum and haw. And we have a 30 second, 40 second, just silent period. Mm-hmm. So we go out into the hallway because it's quiet out there. The other kids don't hear you. And we have a one-on-one conversation. Mm-hmm. First year, the goal is you're going to talk just by yourself to me for two to three minutes at different intervals. And then as we go up the levels, that increases. So by the time they get to fourth and fifth year, we're 15 to 30 minutes them talking to us. Mm-hmm. Right, right, good, very good. Um, yeah, I, I guess one could say that uh, the iPad is really 
if you wanted to say, well, it is in a way, it's, it provides us with a digital worksheet, right? I mean, right. basically, we're dealing with digital worksheets. Uh, so, uh, the um, how did you, um, backing up a, a minute here, back to the strategies, how do you keep your kids at bay in class, discipline-wise? Is that still challenging? Probably not. You've done this a long time. You're a master at it. How do you do that for our young teachers out there? If I have a discipline problem, I typically go over, walk to that student to kind of calm them down or say, ask them quietly, put that away. Uh Um, Ask them, if I have to ask them repeatedly, then we have a different issue. And I always say, you're going to come to me after school. We're going to talk about this. Now, I have that luxury teaching in a private school where I can say to the parents, I need to see your child and here's why. Mm -hmm. And not disciplining, but we're going to do some things French-wise. We're going to do some things educational-wise. And I just lower my voice. If I have a discipline problem, I quit talking. And then it's like, oh, he stopped talking. They all come back. So it's not that, you know, adversarial type of right, right. me. Now, again, I will run into those students who do that. And I said, okay, I don't want to fight because we're going to get along together. We're going to do this great. And I said, just look at me as your guide. And if you can see me as a guide, I'm going to get you through this. Because a lot of times I think the discipline problems come because the kids don't understand. Yes, yes. And we talked about that a little bit today. I said, you know, if I'm speaking to you in French for five, ten minutes straight, there are going to be times you don't understand. Do not be that student where you don't understand the first word and you shut down. Okay. Because we're going to come back to you yes. and we're going to repeat and repeat and repeat, and you're going to get it somewhere along the line. Yes, was. And that's what I find that those few students that they do that in life, I don't understand, so they just shut down. We've got to encourage them not to do yes. that. We've got to be yes. their advocate. We've got to be their um, cheerleader. I, in fact, I have a set of pom poms in my classroom, <laughs> and when something comes out, I said, I am your biggest cheerleader. Out come the pom poms, and I'm going around, you know shaking those things, saying, you know, if you don't have a cheerleader in your court here, I'm going to be it. So I think it's those things Beautiful. that help with discipline. Beautiful. Yes, yes. Beautiful. You have fun, but you also have to be strict, yes. meaning there is structure here. Yes. It's not a free-for-all. Yes. Beautiful. Beautifully said. Now, that was learned over many years, right, of Oh, yes. Evolution, I, right? You kind of evolved right. teaching, right? You just kind it of teaching. I can remember first year, there was another first year teacher at the end of the school day. We would commiserate with each other. And we would say, did we choose the right major? Oh, and we what... learned from each other, but we also learned from our older, um, more veteran teachers, you know, our colleagues. And I will say this as I've gotten older, but I said it when I was younger to the younger teachers. Do not dismiss the older teachers saying, well, they're out of touch. There's your wisdom. The wisdom is with us older folks, our veteran folks who've had the experience. That's your experience, your wisdom. 
the younger people, I get it. You know all about computers and you know the technology and I'll give you an A plus, but you've got to merge both. Well, and then, uh, there, there are you as you're one of them. And I, I think I am too, but you've mastered technology and I, in my ways have done the same in my own ways. And, and, uh, you know, uh, I think that we have to think of the, the you know, as we get older here, that uh, t- teachers are, the older teachers are like a bottle of fine wine, right? It's like oh, wine, aged wine, you know, you, you know, it's just wonderful to have and you're lucky to have it, right? And and, mm-hmm. and, and it's expensive, so they're really getting the bargain, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> so they're getting a real bargain. So, uh, but that, that was well said again, that beautiful uh, now, I'm going to back up one second here again. There was another item I was going to mention. What are some of your special memories about teaching French? I know you, I, your favorite students or successes, etc. Do you have a, two or three students that have gone on to great things and that you really loved having them in class? I would say number one is when a student comes back and they become a French teacher. Yes. And I have several of those. In fact, one of them teaches in Washington Township at a middle school. And when I see them at the conference, what, what's her name? Kathleen. I won't give you her last name, but her first name's Kathleen. Because I can't remember because she's married and I can't remember her married Is name. Is she the one that writes for not a lot on teacher pay teachers? No, um, no. I don't think so. I don't no. think she's one of those. I think her last name was Hennessy, I believe. I think okay. that was a different person. Um, the other, I have a high oh, school no, teacher. She, this gal's at Hamilton, I think. Yeah. Okay. okay. Uh, she took French with me. She teaches out east. And I want to say it's Rhode Island, maybe. Uh-huh. That it makes you feel great, doesn't it? That you, oh, yes. Yeah. I think that's that's a highlight of everything, right? Now that you were able to prepare these French teachers. Another one is he graduated like three, four years ago. He works at the Belgium embassy in Washington, D.C. Wow. And he's all in French and we just heard uh, from him and he's doing great things. Congratulations for all that. That is incredible. I think one, I was at a wedding of two former students and when they did the toast at the reception, they thanked me uh, and I thought, well, why is this? And they said, we didn't know each other. We were in the same French class freshman year. You paired us to do a partner activity. Oh, for God. That's when we first met and now we're married. Oh, wow. That was quite so, a deal. Good heavens. That, you know, it's little things. I tell that to my students. Yeah, that, that's a big thing. That's a really yeah. big thing. Well, congratulations. That's, so it's. You know, things like that. Oh, that's wonderful. That just shows what a great, great, great teacher you are. So, you know, that's really something to be proud of. And, you know, it's, uh, and, you know, it's good to talk about your successes, right? I mean, that's, that's really, you know, I don't think we do enough of that in teaching. You know, we we go through teaching and people, uh, they need to take time in their departments to recognize the great teachers there are, right? And, uh, you know, we don't say enough good things about teachers. And I think if we did, there would not be so many leaving the profession, right? And I agree uh, with you. Yeah. Um, I think on resumes and things like that, several years ago here at Cathedral, they asked us to put our curriculum vitae together. 
And we had several teachers who didn't want to do that. And I was in charge of one of the groups and uh -huh. they were complaining about it. And I just, I stopped them and I said, here's why I think it's very important because if you're a coach, you're going to get on TV, you're going to get in the newspaper. People know what you do. A teacher like myself or other teachers, we're doing great things. And I asked them the question. I said, did you know that I was on the board of our state organization? Did you know I was the president of ours? And they're all going, no, no. And I said, that's why we need to do things like this. Yes, yes. Respect for each other. Absolutely, totally. And uh, now, uh, creativity, right? What's a, what would you say really is a good, a good way to describe a creative teacher, creative world language teacher uh, in this day and age? I kind of alluded to this earlier. You have your toolbox. You are always looking for new things out there. You're going to professional de development opportunities. To me, that creative teacher is... You're making things. I always shudder when I hear a teacher say, well, it's all done for me via the textbook. Yes. All the activities, et cetera. And I said, to me, the textbooks have stifled our creativity because it made us lazy and we didn't have to think. And I said, with technology now and with different types of students, we've got to be on our A-gate. And we've got to be creative. We've got to look at things. I'm always looking at game shows. For example, game shows on TV here in the United States. Let's modify it. And I do that in my classroom. We just played The Price is yes, Right. Yes. And very simple game with numbers, because we were reviewing numbers. You would have thought I had given them, you know, a $1,000 bill. <laughs> they were so happy. And I said, okay, this is just a self-made Tool or game that I have numbers on a three by five card mm -hmm. that you draw. Um, I did a PowerPoint and it's called um, Le Sable Mouvant, so quicksand. And I have it so I can push the button if they miss a question and it looks like quicksand going to cover the body. So it's a different version of Hangman, if you want yeah, to call it that. That's good. And the students are always saying, we can't. We can't get out of the quicksand. I said, oh, yes, you can. Answer the questions. So <laughs> that's good. little things like that. Yeah, uh, and, and that's it. Really, it's where you have to uh, create, invent, look for new things, right? On your own, as you said. I thought that was so beautiful you said that. It's on your own, though. You do it, and you take time to be thinking about things outside the box, right? Yeah. Always thinking of different ways to do things. And changing, right? Changing. Change. Just, I mean, you could have the same game for two different classes, same day. One yes. class loves it, the other class doesn't. But then you tweak. Yes. You have to be on your game. You have to think fast, saying, okay, what's going to make this game work? Yes. Yes. But, but the, the creativity part is, um, I, I don't think every teacher is creative, do you? I mean, there's some that, that isn't to say they're not good teachers, but creative teachers is a whole different matter, don't you think? I would agree. I don't think everyone is creative because I listen to teachers and yes. what they're doing. And I'm like, okay. And then what, and I always, 
willing to offer suggestions, not criticism, but suggestions. And, you know, I love that idea. I think I might take that and yes. here's what I'm going to add to it. Yes. And then the response says, oh, my gosh, I haven't thought about that. Yes. I'm going to do that. And I think that's where you go to your own colleagues. You yes. talk to them. Yes. Lunch with them. Not, when I eat lunch with my colleagues, it's always professional development. Here's yes. what I'm doing. How can I yeah. think it? What would you suggest? Uh-huh. Now, do you think this affects the students? I, uh, in other words, if the student is around lots of creative teachers, then perhaps he's going to end up being more creative than if he were not around these creative teachers or not? I think it does help because I've seen it in my own classroom to where if you encourage that student with a project or whatever, yes. they're not the creative person. And I'll say, well, how about if we look at it this way and get some ideas? Do you remember when we did X, Y, Z in classroom? Can you adapt that to yourself? Can you make it your own? And I love giving choice because I think choice helps. Now, when I say choice, I'm not saying it's the whole gamut, but you give them a choice of two, three things. My uh, son, Dan, you know, do you know Dan? You probably oh, I know Dan. Uh-huh. Yeah, he ended up, he did his dad, uh, dissertation on choice learning for world languages. That was okay. his dissertation. And I got to really watch him and kind of participate a little bit with it. And uh, choice is a huge huge thing, right? That we don't right. do enough of, right? I mean, it really, we, we kind of get in these ruts in teaching where we maybe should do a lot more of choice learning where we say, you know, would you like to do this? Maybe tomorrow, A, B, C, which one would you like yeah. to do? Instead uh-huh. of everything always being, you know, just spelled out all the time. And sure. uh, that may be the disadvantage of using too much the textbook, right? Perhaps. I, I would agree with you. Um, like I said, we have an online textbook, but I always digress from that. I always move yes. from that. That's the, okay, here's the core vocabulary. We're going to use it. Yes. There, I always look at it this way. For me, the textbook is a reference book. It's not the Bible, and I'm not going to be married to it. It's a reference book that students can use. Right, right, right. Now, so what qualities make an out for an outstanding world language teacher? What do you think? For me, the very first word I look for, passionate. You are passionate about your subject matter, about what you do. The other thing is energetic. I always tell the students, I said, because they'll say, oh, I'm so tired. And I said, well, I'm four times your age. And look at me, and I got up at, let's say, five o'clock this morning, and it's now three o'clock in the afternoon. And am I still energetic? Am I still going? And they go, yeah, how do you do it? I said, because I'm passionate. To me, it, all these ideas intertwine with each other. I think a creative and outstanding world language teacher has to be full of zeal. I think zeal is a key word. And the other thing, innovative. Yes. Yes. You are always innovative. You're not afraid to try new things. 
And if it didn't work this year, it might work next year. Yes. And the risk-taking of it all, right? The risk-taking. I think, to me, an outstanding language teacher, when I look at the world language uh, teachers that I know, it's all professional development. They are active in their organizations. They subscribe to journals. They're up to date. They participate. They get involved. You were talking about the Spanish competition. We have our French competition coming up the first part of February. Okay, you've never done it as a teacher. Take the risk. Take four or five kids. Go for it. To me, it's not winning the competition. It's the kids having fun. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, One more item I was going to ask you about in the classroom. Um, What about... uh, learning in teams do you do any teamwork work things do you have teams sometimes we typically don't just because of our schedule mm-hmm. and the time that it would take if we do teams it's just in a one-day activity okay that's not going to be ongoing i think when we had a regular schedule back in the day i did more of that type of more activity. That, yeah when the schedule is regular um Listen, I appreciate you being a guest today, and I know uh, time has flown by here. We've been gone for an hour. Okay. <laughs> That's pretty good, and uh, we probably could go for another two or three. That's probably true. <laughs> uh, so I, I think everybody remembers at the beginning of the show how uh, enthusiastic uh, uh, Gary was and how I mentioned about uh, liking to be with him at the conferences and talk to him because he's a fountain of information and we certainly appreciate you for being here today and, and all the great work you're doing at Cathedral High School and the profession, all the organizations, and uh, it is uh, to be admired and, uh, and, and I hope people can see you in action at IFLTA, Central States, et cetera. And, uh, uh, and if they wanted to get a hold of you, the, what's the email again, your email? Yeah. G Spurgeon, S P U R G I N, okay. G Spurgeon at gocathedral.com. Okay. And uh, if any of you would like to uh, email Gary about any items and any ideas, I'm sure he'd be happy to get, receive an email. And uh, um, I can't think of anything else other than to say thank you on a Friday afternoon when I know you must be exhausted. <laughs> so, uh, and, and then I. Did we talk about COVID at the beginning? We did not. Get, no. Get, Gary had COVID, right? Uh, for, yeah, I did. For, uh, uh, I, again, I had both vaccinations boosted, and because of, you know, Omicron and all of that going on, I did get COVID. It was not as bad as what I thought. It was just a bad, bad cold. I yes. Mean, I, I don't like colds, but it, it wasn't the extreme that I've heard other people go through. Okay. Oh. So, uh, do you, now you have to mask up every day at, at Cathedral? Correct. So? We yes. wear our masks every day during okay. class um, in the hallways. So we as teachers, we stand in the hallway just to make sure that the students have their masks on. Wow. And we're, we're on the offense, I would say. That's good. That is really good. Um, so we appreciate you so much being here. And you have a terrific weekend and a great rest of the school year, okay? 
I will. Tom, thank you so much for giving me this opportunity. Oh, my goodness. I'm, it's it's uh, been a well, pleasure. I love talking about world language. Um, you know, there are lots of other things. Like you said, we could probably go on for another hour. And, two or three hours. <laughs> right. And if you ever want to do Gary Spurgeon Part 2, you know, just let me know. I, sometimes and, I come back to you. You know, okay. we've been doing this 11 years now. And okay. I've been doing this 11 years. So the, the special people I go back to sometimes, the ones okay. that... Well, listen, thanks again. You have a great weekend. Okay. And all your listeners, I thank them. Okay, thank you so much. Uh, And we'll be in touch. Thanks. Have a great weekend. Au revoir. Au revoir. Au revoir. Okay, hombre, bye. Okay.